Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ. Living Orthodoxy is the parish podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Souderton, Pennsylvania. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Glory to Jesus Christ. This morning the church has given us the gospel reading from St. Luke, chapter 18, verses 10 through 14, in which Jesus tells a parable. Now, a parable is a simple story that is told to illustrate or to reveal something of spiritual significance for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. To those who don't, it's just a story and the meaning is lost. Jesus used parables to teach about the kingdom of God to his disciples and to the crowds who were around him. And the lesson that Jesus is teaching is so important for us that the church in her wisdom calls our attention to it as we begin this three-week preparation period called the Triodion for entering into the great fast. In verse 9, right before the reading we heard this morning, St. Luke tells us whom Jesus was telling this parable to. He writes, Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. That is Jesus' target audience with his story. We just heard Father read the parable, and in it there are three characters the Pharisee, the publican or tax collector, and God. And it's easy to criticize the Pharisee, and Jesus uh, will do that in a moment. But first, let's give the Pharisee his due. What can we commend him for? Well, first of all, he came to church, probably on time. He declares that he's not guilty of at least obvious sins. That's probably true. He tells us in this story that the Pharisee observes the weekly fast. On Monday and Wednesday is when the uh, Jews would would, uh, commemorate the fast. And also that he tithes. Tithe is a 10%, but he refers to plural tithes. In the Jewish system, there were three different tithes throughout the year, 30%. Imagine that. We're shooting for 10. They were shooting for 30. He says, I do that with all that I possess. We also know from history and from the writings of St. Paul, that, who himself was a Pharisee, that he would have had significant portions of the Torah committed to memory. He was very earnest in striving to obey the commandments of God so as to remain in a covenant relationship with him as he understood it. So what do we know about the publican, the tax collector? Subdeacon Luke talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Well, we know that these men were typically Jews who had signed up to work for the Romans the occupying force, in order to collect the required taxes, the tribute that Rome required of all of its territories. So think with me for a moment. What do you call a person 
from your own tribe, your own nation, who is working with the enemy forces? A collaborator, a traitor, a thief? And the way that they made their money was by adding just a little bit to what Rome required. So Rome wants a dollar, they'll charge you a dollar twenty-five. They keep the twenty-five. Rome gets their money, they're happy. The publican gets his money, he gets rich, and you pay more. Kind of sounds familiar a little bit, doesn't it? But let's not be too hard on this poor, I mean rich tax collector. What can we commend him for? Or better yet, what does Jesus commend him for? Well, he too came to church, probably on time. He stood, so he didn't take anyone's special seat. Most importantly, he saw himself as a sinner. Well, what do we learn about God? in this parable. We learn that he is merciful. We learn that he desires that all people would be justified, would be forgiven and set right with himself. And we learn that he humbles the exalted and exalts the humble. One might be surprised to hear in this parable that pride is considered more deadly than adultery. More perilous than extortion. How can this be? It's because pride is the root of all of our sin. St. John Climacus, who wrote The Ladder of Divine Ascent, writes that pride is the origin and the consummation, the beginning and the end of all evils. My wife and I graduated from a college who had a president who strongly, maybe a better word would be vehemently, hated dandelions. Every year, Dr. Dixon would stand before the entire student body to give his most famous speech of the year, and he would go on and on about the evils of dandelions. He was very dramatic, and we all enjoyed his sense of humor. However, he was also very serious, and the groundskeepers knew it. You would be hard-pressed to find a dandelion anywhere on the campus of Cedarville College. And if you know anything about dandelions, you will know that in addition to having beautiful bright yellow flowers that soon turn into puffy white balls that children love to blow on and then spread the evil across the globe, dandelions have a deep and tenaciously strong root. And if you go out in your yard and you try and pull the dandelion up from the ground, you snap off the leaves and the stalk and that little pretty yellow flower. By the very next morning, there's another little dandelion in the yard waving at you. And not only one, but sometimes they bring friends with them. And no matter how many times you snap off that pretty yellow flower and those leaves and that stalk, 
it grows right back. And before long, your whole yard is waving with pretty yellow flowers at you. You see, if you're going to get rid of dandelions, you have to pull them up from the root. And pride is the root of all of our sin. Well, perhaps you're thinking, well, I'm not arrogant, I'm not cocky, I'm not boastful like the Pharisee, so how could pride be my deepest problem? It's because pride is more than arrogance, it's more than cockiness, more than boastful prayer in front of the whole assembly. Pride is the rejection and the usurping of, the dethroning of God. And instead, placing myself at the center of my life. I become my own point of reference. My thoughts, my desires, my feelings, my body, my money, my possessions, my faith, my life. And by dethroning God, either in totality or in part, the root of pride grows deep, and the fading flowers of sin, lust, gluttony, greed, covetousness, envy, gossip, slander, whatever the list might be, that fading flower continues to spring up in my life. If you want to get rid of the dandelion, you have to pull it up by the root. St. Justin Popovich writes that pride is the first sin in all the worlds, the sin of Satan, the source of all sins, which always was and will forever stay as such. It can be said, he writes, pride is the ultimate sin. Every sin, through its life force, comes from it and holds to it the pride of life, woven from countless multifarious prides, the pride of glory, the pride of beauty, the pride of wealth, the pride of benevolence, the pride of humility, the pride of charity, the pride of success. There is not a virtue, St. Justin writes, there is not a virtue that pride cannot convert into a vice. Over the past couple of months, on Wednesday nights after Compline, we have been reading and discussing this little book called God's Path to Sanity by D. Pinnock. I strongly encourage you to buy it and to read it prayerfully with your life in view. In chapter 5, D. Pinnock, who wrote the book, writes that all of us have a monstrous allergy to blaming ourselves for anything, for seeing anything sinful in ourselves. And this creates in us an allergic reaction to repentance, because repentance involves the confession that there is something wrong in our souls, something we are responsible for discovering and for changing through repentance. Pride, at the root of all of our sin, resists 
seeing the reality of our sin. And so, she writes, we apply the psychological antihistamine, you know, the little pink pill that you pop to get rid of the stuffy nose. The pill, she says, is self-justification. Self-justification that we use as a salve to soothe away every aggravating hint that there's any sin in us that we are responsible for. It couldn't be my fault. If you only knew my circumstances, if you heard what he said to me, if you saw how she looked at me, if you knew my boss. So we need to come to terms with the reality that pride is more insidious than simply being cocky and boastful and arrogant, although it includes that. Pride is placing myself at the center of my life. I become the point of reference. I become the standard. I become the basis of evaluation of what is good. And in this way, even something that seems contradictory like self-pity can be understood as springing up from pride. Well, what path then did the publican take that led him to go away from church forgiven and set right with God. Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If pride is the root of all of our sin, then humility is the gate that leads to repentance. Jesus, in fact, began his Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Psalm 50, the prophet King David, a sacrifice to God is a broken spirit, a broken and humbled heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. St. James, the brother of Jesus, writes, God resists the proud. Think about that. Not just overlooks, he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's what the publican was doing in prayer. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And St. Peter, yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed in humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So humility is the gate that leads to repentance, that opens our eyes to see ourselves rightly before God, 
and draws the grace of the Holy Spirit into our lives. St. Cyril of Alexandria writes, If the poison of pride is swelling up in you, turn to the Eucharist. And that bread which is your God, humbling and disguising himself, will teach you humility. May it be so of us. Amen. For more information about St. Philip Orthodox Church, visit us online at st-philip.net.